welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I am joined by Alicia Walker. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hi. Josh Dean. Hello. And Nathan McKinney. Hello. Every week on this show, we discuss a movie, and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services, so you can participate with us. This week's suggestion came from Brooke. It is the 1999 movie A Simple Plan, uh, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, But first, we are going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Alicia, what have you been watching lately? Well, I watched quite a bit of uh, stuff this last week. Uh, Several movies. Uh, I'd never seen The Master, so I finally sat down and watched that. It had been a little overdue. What do you think of that? Um, it was fine. I mean, uh, it, it just, uh, you know, it made me um, a little nostalgic for some of uh, those actors again. And, uh, you know, I'm still torn on Joaquin Phoenix a little bit as to if I think he's great or if I think he's overacting all the time. But Did you want to see more Hoffman or see less Hoffman? Uh, I wanted to see a little more, but some of that might just be because I miss him. So I just miss seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman a lot um, because he was so great. Uh, But probably one of the more interesting things that I watched this week was the movie Shirley on Hulu. That's about Shirley Jackson. I was getting ready Um, to watch that. Yeah, we watched it earlier this week and and really enjoyed it. Actually, we we sat down and watched the trailer for it first, and it was an excellent trailer, and it kind of... We were, yeah, we were like, God, I think we really need to watch that. And, and performances are really great in that. Um, and, you know, I, I learned quite a bit about her, assuming a lot of that is true, uh, about kind of her life and stuff she struggled with. Not sure if it's all based on truth or if it's more fictionalized than real story, but, um, but it was really interesting. Josh has an opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that a couple months ago and um, was very curious how much of it was true and did a deep dive into her biography. And uh, the depression part is true, um, okay. but none of the rest of that actually happened, apparently. So, oh, um, all right. Yeah, uh, very fictionalized. It's based on a book that's a fictionalization of her life. Um, gotcha, Okay. I can't yeah. remember what I pulled up on Just Watch, and it gave me that as a, if you like this, you'll like that sort of thing, yeah. and it mm-hmm. says something about Shirley, um, and I hadn't been on Hulu in probably a month, so I hadn't seen anything for mm-hmm. it, but... Uh, well, it was it was definitely entertaining, if not historically accurate, so I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a lot of the um, Jenny McCarthy... Say wow! What is uh, what, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy? That's, Melissa oh, McCarthy. That's sorry. a surprising Ma- twist. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry about that. Melissa McCarthy's. Uh, I'm sorry. Hope you forgive me or whatever it was yeah, that she did. A I remember years that. Ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Can you ever forgive me? Can you ever forgive me? Or I think it, you know it's a period piece, and there's you know. Well, she she pretends to be, or she pretends to have like signed books, but she's forging the signatures yeah. on them. Yeah. Right. I think I believe that's yeah, the plot. Elizabeth Moss was great in uh, Shirley, though. I think it's yeah. one. I mean, I, I'm a fan of hers anyway, but I thought it was a really, really great uh, mm. role for her. Yep. From the trailer, it looked like they did a good job of not just having, like, they 
they changed her look enough, like the way the glasses they put on her and stuff like that, and the way they did her hair, like she looks more like a normal person from that period than just Elizabeth yeah. Moss being yeah. pensive or scared or weird. So, well, and I think she did a lot of good, if we can call it body acting. I think she, the posture and kind of how she carried herself and stuff was, you know, very believable then as her being this other character. I think they call that backting in the business. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, well, quite a few things, but I think that was the thing I was most enthusiastic about this week. Nathan? Do you want me to list some Nathan? other things? <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't hear my name, so... Okay. Uh, sorry about Nathan. that. Uh, yeah, so, hi there. Uh, I watched the uh, seven-year itch. Uh, well, among oh. many other things, it's been a few weeks since I've been on the podcast, but that was like two nights ago and I remember it really well. Uh, it's the first time I'd ever actually seen it. In fact, I'm kind of behind on my Marilyn Monroe in general. I think the only two I'd really had seen was Some Like It Hot and Bus Stop of all movies. So, uh, classic. you know, I, yeah, I don't even remember it to be honest with you, but of course <laughs> Some Like It Hot's right up there with one of the best comedies of all time. So you can't hardly, you know, argue about that one. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Seven Year Itch, but I don't think I loved it. Um, I, and actually, I'm a pretty big Billy Wilder fan, uh, but I think it was a little bit like, almost like Billy Wilder aping Billy Wilder as far as the writing goes. Like it was just a little too, the jokes were a little too cornball for me, a lot of them. So, um, extra Wilder. She's fan, extra <laughs> Wilder. Yeah. I, but she's fantastic in it. She, I, the other guy that plays Tom opposite Ewell. her, Tom Ewell. Uh -huh. I could take or leave him. He was fine, but she was fantastic in it. She, I mean, yeah, I could makes me kind of want to watch a couple of other of her movies, but we'll get to that some down somewhere down the road. Josh, how about you? Uh, let's see. I finally watched Buckaroo Banzai for the first time. Oh yeah, in my life. Yeah, which feels like one of those. Where was my youth? Like, why did I not yeah, see this when I was ten years old? Yeah, it must have been a Showtime movie because I only got to watch HBO movies when I was a kid. So, uh, yeah, uh, man, that's a lot of fun. That's uh, Jeff Goldblum alone worth the price of admission for that one. Um, and uh, yeah, and again, if I were twelve years old, that would have been my favorite movie the year I watched it. Yeah, it would have blown you know, your mind. Ten. Cause absolutely that's that's what it was like to watch it as like an 11 or 12 year old like what uh, the man. fuck is this uh, i could only imagine but i tried to put myself back in that mindset and i was like yeah yeah i understand my peers a lot more now um <laughs> uh, and um john lithgow just chewing the scenery just having a great time that that's always fun to watch um and uh mike uh airman trout uh what's that actor's name from Jonathan uh, Banks. Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he does a great job. He's like in it for 10 minutes. And uh, uh, obviously, you know, if I had seen it when I was a kid, I wouldn't have known who that guy was. But uh, seeing it now, I was very, very excited for his extended cameo. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then also um, Vivarium on uh, Ovarium. No, not ovarium. Um, vi uh, vivarium. Vivarium, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah, vivarium, vivarium. Okay. Uh, the that yeah. first syllable just kept dying, so. 
Oh yikes! Yes. <laughs> I want to see Jesse you didn't guess the first syllable. Uh-huh, sure you yeah. do. You think you do, but yeah. it's uh, it's all about Jesse Eisenberg uh, harvesting his eggs for uh, <laughs> insemination. Um, yeah, like he does. Uh, like he does. You know. Um, but him and Imogene Poots. So it's a art of self defense reunion uh, for the two of those. Um, and. Uh, a weird, weird sci-fi movie. If people like weird sci-fi movies, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I that's have um, ever since the Joe Bob Briggs uh, last drive-in has shut down for the season over on Shutter. Uh, a group of us that usually watch that have been watching Joe Bob DVD commentaries, and um, a lot of those are products of a company i don't know if they still exist but it was called guilty pleasures dvd um and they would get the cheapest like public domain or less than ten dollars to license to put on dvd type (laughs) movies and have joe bob talk about them so i've seen some truly trashy uh horror movies um the the only like somewhat good movies that are part of that are uh samurai cop which they were the first people to put out Samurai Cop. So his commentary is very fun with that. And then, I don't know, I think I Spit on Your Grave was a separate release. I think the director of that actually asked Joe Bob to do the commentary for that, because that one's actually better produced, like it's better made. But then we watched a bunch of, like, (laughs) The Hollywood Strangler meets The Skid Row Slasher, uh, Blood Shack, Blood Sisters... And uh, Hell High. And Ooh. they were all garbage, but it was fun to w- <laughs> listen to Joe Bob pick on them. And then uh, I caught up with uh, the latest, which is the second to last episode of the first season of Perry Mason uh, on HBO. Uh, that is still very good and very bizarre. It is such a strange reading of that character. Um, and I finished uh, the docuseries I'll Be Gone in the Dark uh, about the Golden State Killer based on the um, based on the book. We have so. yet to watch those two episodes, uh, but we're looking forward to it probably later this evening. Perry Mason and I'll Be Gone in the Dark? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There is... <laughs> like Yeah, that one's really good. There's uh, the, like... At the end of the episode, I won't tell you what this is or what what happens, but at the end of the episode, they have like the, you know, next time on Perry Mason and it tells you nothing, but it just gives you like a couple of like quotes, you know, from it or like shots from it. And there's Mm -hmm. this hilarious like Matthew Reese as Perry Mason um, talking to somebody on the stand and he turns like he turns on his heel and looks into the camera and says, I'm not finished yet. It's like, I can't imagine Raymond Burr ever doing that. Like, Raymond Burr never got that excited. He never cared that much. Um, well, that took a lot of energy, maybe, later. He, he, was, he became a big man, so, you know, he had to use his energy more conservatively, yeah. maybe. Well, and he, you know, he had to deal with Godzilla and all that, so a lot more stuff going mm-hmm. on there. Sure. Um, and I am still working on my uh, my dark, gritty... Murder, She Wrote reboot. I figured out that uh, 
Angela Lansbury is exactly 50 years older than Carrie Russell. So if Carrie Russell were on the actual murder she wrote in her career, it would start in 2034, which is perfect. It's like the perfect mm-hmm. amount of time. We have like 14 years to to, to <clears throat> build this up and tie it into the other show. So, uh, Brooke, what have you been watching lately? Uh, today, actually, I binged fully the Mrs. America series that was um, from FX but was on Hulu. Um, just a great ensemble. Kate um, Blanchett, Sarah Paulson, Margot Martindale, Rose Byrne, Tracy Ullman, Melanie Linsky, the list just goes on and on, um, about Phyllis Schlafly uh, and her movements against uh, the ERA. So really a a solid solid show very well acted um i think it was just nominated for an emmy Uh, i also am catching up on the umbrella academy which i had watched when it initially came out on netflix and i binged that all all through um i had already seen the first season watched it all yesterday and i've started the second season i love umbrella academy i think it's just such a fun show also, I finally saw Jojo Rabbit, as I was one of the only people who had not seen it yet. I did a little double feature, What We Do in the Shadows, uh, just oh, for, go. for good times. Watch that one. Follow, <laughs> nice. yeah, just, yeah, just for a good laugh. Uh, watch that before Jojo Rabbit. So, uh, yeah, so I finally caught up on the movie everyone but me has seen. Um, of course, loved it. I mean, flawless. Have nothing I can pick apart with that with that movie, so... Yeah, Jojo Rabbit and was then, on... And then, you know, what we do in the shadows. Absolutely. Had you seen that before? Oh, yeah. yeah this okay. is probably my fifth or sixth time, but, you know. Yeah. It's just as funny, and if not funnier, every time. Yeah, that's a movie everyone should see, um, just like Shaun of the Dead. Like, it's a movie everyone should watch, whether you like horror or horror comedy or not. It's it's just awesome. Um and yeah, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, because was, if somebody doesn't find it funny, I mean, you've got to cut them out of your life. Then, if somebody can't find the humor in yeah, what we do in the shadows, t- well, then turn the machine off because they're they're dead. There's there's nothing left. <laughs> there's nothing there. <laughs> they're a carrot. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, Jojo Rabbit was on the short list of movies that I wanted to see at the Toronto Film Festival in 2019, and because I screwed up our uh our like uh package purchasing uh and film selecting process tiff is very complex to navigate i did it right the first year i screwed it up the second year that we went and so we didn't get tickets for jojo rabbit the lighthouse uh joker premiered there um there were some other kind of big ones that like Oh, the uh, Knives Out premiered there. We didn't get to see that. And a lot of those were like mere, like maybe a month or less from when they came out theatrically, but it still would have been cool to like see them in their North American premiere, if not their world premiere at TIFF. And we just, I botched it. I, I got in there like a day after everybody had picked over everything and it was all B and C choices. I don't know. None of those movies you mentioned did anything. I haven't heard of any of those films that you <laughs> that you missed. <laughs> yeah. Not 
they, none of them went anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, Joker's That's always kind of a like cult the movie. dilemma, though. Yeah. Say, say it again. It's always kind Very of the small. dilemma. Sorry. That's always kind of the dilemma when you go to a film festival, though, because like there's these opportunities to see all these movies that you wouldn't see anywhere else, probably. Um, and then there's the films that are the big films that you know you're probably going to get the opportunity to see. And so do you go to see the ones that you can't see elsewhere, or do you go see the big screening of the ones you know you'll see otherwise? With TIFF, our strategy is to, is to see a mix. Um, because the big, big movies are super expensive to get into, uh, especially if they're doing like a world premiere event. Um, some of the time, like in 2018, it wasn't so bad. Like in 2018, the big movies would have like the gala premiere, which was like mega bucks to get into. But then they would show it like three more times throughout the week. So you could catch that like later showing and it wasn't a big deal. Um, with 2019, it was like one or two and done with all of those. I think the lighthouse showed once. I think knives out showed once, but like at the knives out showing the whole cast was there, <laughs> like it was insane. And like, that's why you go to the premieres, you know, that's why the world premieres are great. Even if it's a movie, everybody's going to see because you get to see everybody up there like that. Um, Brooke talked about a simple plan. She suggested it. We watched it. Well, I'll go first. I thought, um, I'm pretty sure on the episode, I said, um, oh, that's a good one. Because I remember watching it when it came out. I also uh, faintly remembered that I watched it and thought, I don't need to see this again. Because <laughs> when I watched it again, I thought, I didn't need to see this again. <laughs> um, the story's interesting. And I think it could have been a really great movie, but it's not. Um, there's a lot of things that let it down. Um, the first time that you watch it, I think it works better because the suspense of what's going to happen does hold your attention and keep it moving along. This being my second time watching it in 21 years, um, I already knew like all the beats. I knew what the ending of it was and how that was going to play out. And so I was more focused on performances, um, choices of how dialogue was spoken. Um, I had some volume issues on my viewing of it where a lot of things people were saying were just really under their breath and quiet. And so I turned the subtitles on and I'd hear them do a line and then I'd read it, you know, on the page and I'd be like, man, like every line reading choice that Billy Bob Thornton makes is the opposite <laughs> of the way that I would have read that if I read it off the, <laughs> off of the screenplay. Um, I think he's the most interesting of that, of, of doing that delivery. I think that the, the guy that plays Lou is the most true to what the screenplay is telling him to do. And I think Bill Paxton is just a mess. I think he's <laughs> awful in this movie. Um, how about you guys? Just, just put me out of my misery. Tell, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. I don't care. 
Uh, I I was actually thinking a lot of the same thing that you were just saying, Dale, when I was watching, because I I haven't watched it since it came out in 98. And I I do remember leaving thinking, that was a pretty good movie. Like, I really enjoyed that. And then watching it again, I mean, I definitely love Billy Bob Thornton's performance and and, uh, how he encompassed that character. But I already have, I think, a chip on my shoulder about Bill Paxton. And I feel like Bill Paxton is Bill Paxton is Bill Paxton in every movie. And he's just angry Bill Paxton or upset Bill Paxton. But he's, he's always that same guy. And so, yeah, I definitely wasn't feeling that. But I agree. I don't think... It was anywhere near as um, engrossing to me this time I watched it. I think, you know, my favorite performance for Bill Paxton is actually Big Love. And I I kind of want to go back and just watch a couple random episodes of that and see if he bugs the shit out of me <laughs> as much as he does in some of his movie roles. Because I don't remember being annoyed by Bill Paxton being Bill Paxton in that. Um, but I had almost the same reaction as you did, Dale, is like, we we watched it in two halves, uh, and quite frankly, I needed that break because the first yeah. half just drags. Yes, and I, the when we got done with the first half, I was just like, "This was this is not good." I was not enjoying it because it was just so slow, and it was not gripping. And there was something about it. I don't know what it was. I I, I honestly think movies have progressed, and in fact. It was about five years too late, probably, as a movie, because it probably should have come out before Fargo, and it might have been a much more well-received movie. But it had the misfortune of coming out two years after Fargo, and it couldn't even begin to keep up with it. Um, The second half of the movie, when we watched it this afternoon, I enjoyed a little bit more, um, partly because there was just a little more twists and turns going on, and... Uh, you know, the, I, I think that the, the third guy, whatever his name is, Lou, uh, Lou he added quite a bit to the mix um, that he actually doesn't appear that much in the movie, which right. is unfortunate because I think he might have been one of the better characters. Um, I enjoyed watching Billy Bob Thornton, but honestly, um, I think there are better, better Billy Bob Thornton movies out there. and So I, I kind of feel like this is one I could have skipped the second time. Josh? Yeah. yeah. It's funny uh, you mentioned Fargo. Yeah, back when I first saw this, uh, I, it was kind of pitched, if I remember correctly, like the trailers made it look like, did you like Fargo? You're going to love a simple plan. <laughs> they did. Uh, they really played up like a comedy angle on it, like a dark comedy right. angle, and it's not there. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I remember the first time I watched it being disappointed, uh, like, oh, oh, this isn't. I wanted this other thing that I thought I was going to get, and I was kind of sad that it wasn't that. Uh, going back and watching it now, once again, I think it's an argument against people adapting their own writing, maybe, to movies. Yes. Yeah, because uh, Scott Turow, is that the... I, I read the book, too. I can't remember this guy's name. But anyway, whoever the author of the book was, the book Scott is Smith, fine. It's I a think. pulpy... Or Scott Smith, okay. Uh pulpy page turner kind of summer fun book reading type thing um but man uh translating it to the big screen did not work very well for me that was my reaction Um, to to nathan's i can't put my finger on it is mm -hmm. it's an, an author adapting his own work and so there's too much shit in this movie there's too much going on they needed to condense it they needed to take a bunch of stuff out and simplify it and streamline it and make it make it move 
it doesn't need to be two hours long, but it is. Right. And a lot of yeah, things absolutely. that happen in that first hour break it. Uh, yeah, the um, in the book, uh, if I remember correctly, which I haven't read since the 90s, so I could be way off on remembering this, um, uh, Billy Bob's character gets killed in that same shootout that Lou dies in. Um, okay. So... So he's out of the movie much, much, or the story much, much earlier. And then the rest of it is more just um, uh, Bill Paxton's uh, uh, character, Jacob. Wait, was he Jacob or was he... Um, I forget. Jacob anyway, was Billy Bob. Gonna, was Billy Bob. Okay. So Esau, or whatever uh, Bill Paxton's character's name was. Um, <laughs> Hank. It was Hank. There we go. Um, him dealing with the rest of, uh, you know, the... The, the robber coming back to find his money and all that stuff. That was the rest of the plot. So I'm guessing there was a little studio push there. Like, Hey, we're going to get Billy Bob Thornton. So you've got to keep his ass alive till the third act or uh no go. Maybe. Um, I also think like that might've actually been a positive adaptation move. Um, mm-hmm. So that we're not just coasting along with one character Mm-hmm. for the last half of the movie um, for him to have somebody else to interact with and somebody to, you know, so it's not like it doesn't go to like a uh, voiceover in his head to figure out sure. what's going on. Like he has somebody to talk to um, and someone that's not the wife character. Cause she has kind of a different role in it than the, uh, than the brother character. Lady Macbeth. She's got the lady Macbeth part. <laughs> Yeah, and I um, love the the part where uh, Hank is just like, you know, you mean the plan where this goes to shit and this guy gets killed, or the plan where this goes to shit and <laughs> these guys get killed? It's like none of that was part of her plan. Like she didn't tell you to do that, <laughs> right? He made so many bad moves. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> all bad moves. All bad. Speaking moves. of all bad moves, Brooke, why in the hell did you pick this movie? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow, it was pretty universally unpopular. Um, I liked it. Um, I hadn't seen it since it first came out, and I remembered that I was really fond of it, and it held up, I thought. I hadn't seen it. I think I even saw it in theaters when it came out. I couldn't believe it's been over 20 years until you just said that, but uh, yeah, I thought it I thought it held up. Um, funny, you know, the screenplay was nominated for uh, best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars, and Billy Bob was nominated. Um, I I think it's good. I I love Fargo, and I do see a lot of similarities in, in some of the tone, minus the humor. Uh, but I thought it was tense. Uh, I, I really felt the suspense was well done. I honestly thought my feelings about Bill Paxton as an as an actor were kind of unpopular until just now. I didn't know so many people feel the same way. I don't like <laughs> Bill Paxton as an actor, uh, but I don't hate him in this, which is saying something because I hate him in pretty much everything he does. Uh, but, you know, he's I just have never understood the appeal of him overall. I don't but know I think my, it was how many a well like, done movie. roles I've seen him in. Like, I, that, that I think was the thing that really like didn't work for me like he's usually fine as a supporting character for me but like him carrying this movie just did not work 
mean, he has right. to be very small supporting for it to really work. Let's be yeah. like Chet in Weird Science is about as much My as God. he can do. Because he was also, don't forget, Twister. Uh, he was a lead in that and great movie. He's oh, terrible. I disagree, uh, but go ahead. But Billy Bob. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fun movie, I would say, great movie, but uh, no, but I think Billy Bob Thornton was was great though. I think his performance was was phenomenal. What you said about the delivery of his lines, I think that works for the character because to me, and, and like particularly your mention of when he's like, "Oh, you mean the thing where this happened?" and he's giving mm-hmm. away like he's already forgotten. He's not supposed to say it. I took him kind of as. You know, now the autism spectrum's in everything, but I, I took him as some type of a developmental disability that was kind of unnamed and maybe a bit of that because that's a very autism way of doing things. You know, sometimes I can't say overall, but, you know, speaking from experience, I tell my adult son, don't tell somebody that I said this. And I'm like, oh, so you said this about me. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> so, I mean, I can mm-hmm. kind of see that side of it with him being oh, you mean the thing that you told me not to say that he'd already forgotten not to say it. So to me, that tied into uh, my feel for that character because I think it was really well done and that character breaks my heart. He just wants yeah. what's right and he really is ki- a kind soul and he's kind-hearted and he's he's a victim of that, which, you know, and a victim of all the selfishness going on around him. Um, I really, I I don't have a lot of complaints about it. I've, I've tried to find some way that I agree with everyone or anyone other than the Bill Paxton <laughs> criticism and I just I really think it's still a solid film okay well let's go through it um, <laughs> so let's talk about the performances and talk about the characters a little bit um, I'll start with Billy Bob Thornton um, I think yeah I think the word simple in a simple plan is supposed to have more than one meaning I think it's supposed to imply that these guys aren't very smart, um, which the movie does a good job of reinforcing. They kind of make the wrong move at every turn. Um, Billy Bob Thornton's approach to this character, as I see it, was uh, he could have easily made it a wisecracking funny role, which is what I think a lot of people wanted this movie to be. They wanted to have funny Billy Bob in it. Um, The line that ends the trailer that gets a laugh in the trailer and doesn't in the movie is when he says, do you ever feel evil? I do. Oh, wow. Um, It's funny in the trailer in the context, but it's not in the movie. Um, I think he played it. I have no recollection of the trailer. I, I think he purposefully plays the character um like against the rube stereotype you know he doesn't like put on a a hick accent or a southern accent or something like that um he's he's not doing sling blade again or something um and like i said every single line he reads in a different way than i expect him to he it, it's all like it, it just kind of falls out of his mouth like he's not even really thinking about it which i think works for the character i think where it falls apart um is that it gives bill paxton absolutely nothing to work against and so he is always lost 
in his scenes with Billy Bob Thornton as to how to react. And you see none of that on his face. Like it doesn't, you don't see him get confused. You don't see him like move from one emotion to another. It's just like line, 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 back and forth. Um, yeah, but I kind of feel that's the other, on which Bill is Paxton, just always not, Bill Paxton. <laughs> that's not that's not the other Billy Bob Thornton. I, I what I loved about Billy Bob Thornton's performance in this is that there's a lot of dead face where you're just kind of watching him process something. Yeah, and and I think that's what made his character work so well is that you're trying to figure out where he's toeing the line with agreeing with his brother, agreeing with his buddy, or figuring out what's actually right. And that's where the tension of the whole dang movie really kind of comes from. And yeah. I like that about it a lot. Well, there's that one moment where he's, like, pretending to turn against the brother, and then he mm-hmm. snaps and makes the the makes Lou confess to the tape, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, a really clever thing that he does um Mm. like bill paxton and the audience are like what the fuck is he doing and then he turns it around it's like oh he pulled that off really well um my problem with his character is and and this isn't the performance this is the character this is the writing is that you know when you were talking about like the autism thing brooke and being very direct or saying something that you're not supposed to or that sort of thing he does that a lot in the action of the movie when you know bill paxton's trying to keep a secret and he just comes right out and says hey we heard a plane that kind of thing (laughs) but he also uh reveals to billy bob that their father committed suicide that's never come Mm -hmm. up before um, there's something else that he reveals that's like a secret that the that the dad spent Did you say all his it, money because I can't hear you. Damn it! Could nobody hear me? Say it again. Uh, that oh, his yeah, dad spent it. all his money yeah. to get him through college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, so this 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 guy that can't this guy that can't uh, keep a secret <laughs> keeps all of these secrets until they're relevant to their their place in the story but he kind of acts like it's not a secret both times i think when he says that he kind of mentions it just kind of drops it as if everybody knows everybody knows that yeah so it's almost like you know he maybe just didn't realize he'd never said it before and he just (laughs) assumed he had said it yeah and i guess it's possible yeah and i kind of took it as good brooke I took it as something they just hadn't talked about. Like, it just wasn't something discussed, so they probably didn't really talk about it a lot, and then it just, like you said, assumed everybody knew it wasn't something he would ever expose or discuss. That makes sense, too. Like, it it makes sense to me that those two characters didn't really do a lot of talking before the events of this movie. And with Billy Bob Thornton being the older brother and kind of the, you know, the fuck-up of the two... You know, he doesn't have a job. He just lives in that filthy house or whatever it is with his dog and has a Christmas tree. And <laughs> but uh, Hey, teddy bear. Um, Gary Cole in his small role is fantastic. Absolutely <laughs> great. Um, this came Little out wasted. like a month before Office Space. 
So. Mm. He doesn't do a lot, though. They kind of waste him, I felt like, a little bit. Yeah. You bring he's in a, on. Oh, you mean in the movie? Yeah. He's just sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing at the at the end. So, yeah. yeah. So, my problem with um, that first hour, what I think they should have changed, the like main thing I think they should have changed in the movie is um, the guy that they kill, the guy that they kill first, the guy that Billy Bob hits with the tire and iron, and then they they fake his accident. That should have been cut out of the movie completely because that happens like 20 to 25 minutes in to the two hours, and it immediately establishes that these guys are willing to kill for this money. And so you're immediately like, You've you've morally written them off. They're they're bad people. They're they're they've crossed the line. They've gone too far already. Whereas if it had if it had been Lou and his wife that were the first to die, that would have been a much better moment for that to happen. We've gotten to know the characters a little bit better by that point. And it wouldn't have been like the seventh thing that had gone terribly wrong in the movie. <laughs> It should have been. It should have been more impactful than it was, and because they already killed a guy, it's like, I guess they're just killing guys now. <laughs> and at the end, when they kill everybody, it's like, yep, that. I mean, that's what was going to happen. the The best kill of the movie was the Sam Raimi Gold Star moment. Oh my Does god! Everybody know what I'm talking about? The dog. <laughs> yes. Oh, not the dog. I was okay. thinking. Uh, uh, Lou's wife flying through the air oh, God. after the gunshot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was Sam Raimi. That was hilarious. Like, no, there, what I was thinking of, there's a shot where um, after, I think it's right after they, I think it's after, like shortly after they find the money or something like that, the dog like walks up to everybody and they're all sort of happy. And the dog mm-hmm. just starts glowing like it's going, it's 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 going solar, and you realize that it's it's crossfading into like the sunset, but the dog is right where the sun is, and there's like clouds covering all the spots where the dog isn't. So it's like it looks like the dog just goes omega, and it's like nice, nice. I missed that part too. Hey, I had to I had to find something to watch. Well, the, the only thing I remember hey, with the dog, the dog honestly was <laughs> I thought you were going to say about the dog coming in through the back windshield of the truck when he had to hit the brakes or stopped really Uh-oh. quick, whatever it was. Yeah. Because we all, I think we thought, oh, the dog's dead. We forgot that it was <laughs> plastic covering the back uh, yeah. window instead of glass. Because there is a shot where the dog does come through that thing. And yeah. It's it's like a. It's like a half a second, maybe four frames, and uh, yeah, I actually the dog. What, like I was trying to remember, <laughs> and sometimes I have a bad memory about this stuff, so I decided not to. But I almost asked my twelve-year-old if she wanted to watch this with me when I was starting it. I was like, it'd probably be okay, and then I watched it, and I was like, she'd be so bored at this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Something else, too, since we were kind of talking about, you know, I think killing the guy on the farmer on the snowmobile kind of early and then you've, 
you know, kind of already morally switched what you think about, you know, the main characters. I was thinking, we haven't really talked a lot about Bridget Fonda's role as a wife, and I kind of felt like she really switched on a dime. She kind of did a 180 in her attitude about the money, and I think I would have enjoyed seeing more of a gradual struggling with, you know, the choice her husband and brother-in-law made and eventually maybe coming to more, you know, kind of like a Skylar on Breaking Bad situation or something like that. I felt like she kind of immediately went from, we're doing great and we make plenty of money and everything's great, to then immediately being the brains behind the operation of this whole thing. So I think that was her position that. never changed on screen. It was already she was already wherever she was going to be at the beginning of every scene that she was in. But it wasn't always the same place. Um, Certainly wasn't Bridget's fault. No, no, no. They they script. yeah, yeah. they script. just didn't write that, that that part of, you know, they didn't adapt. I'm sure that that took a longer time. Um, the part where it's it's super weird and apparent, um, you know, not that it's subtle anywhere else, but the part where it's super weird and apparent is where she like has the baby and then she's just immediately talking to him about it, <laughs> like right, like not a bead of sweat, you know, like not not taking a break or anything like that. She's like, okay, so then we're gonna do this and this, <laughs> and then <laughs> right. I had an epiphany five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> and a child. <laughs> I, I sent away for this this catalog from another library, and I got this. Like, uh-huh. when? You just had a baby. <laughs> and you had a baby immediately after Bill Paxton told Lou that they were going to wait for the baby right. to come. Like, right. he closed the door, and she was at the top of the stairs like, Hank? <laughs> it's time. Just, like, grabbing her belly. Like, oh, all right. And then the next, the next scene, like, the baby's in the doorway in the nurse's hands and she's like talking to Bill Paxton like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. It's like, hang on one second. Okay, so we're going to do that. Super weird. Um, I yeah. uh, I didn't buy that that photo of the guy that turned out to be uh, Gary Cole looked anything like him <laughs> or could possibly have been him. Yeah. Like, just no. <laughs> no. That guy had, like, I don't know, 150 pounds on Gary Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I guess the argument was it was 150 pounds of hair that they shaved off. <laughs> yeah. And there was little Gary Cole under yeah. there. He's just a very, so very Now that we picked on it some more, do you, do you still feel like uh, you've been convinced at all, or you still love this movie? It's. I still like it. I still yeah. like it. We don't need to bring her I, down. I can see some of the quibbles, oh. but <laughs> I can see some of the quibbles. But I, I am holding solid that I, I think it's worth watching, and I would recommend it to people. Well, I think especially if it's something people haven't seen before. I think the fact that I had seen it, and so I kind of also knew the steps that that went down and the the progression into hell basically that was going to happen i think that made a big difference i think if yeah. i hadn't seen it before it's definitely better the first time um at the time that i saw it i i i didn't see it in the theater i saw it on dvd at a time in my life where um i had literally exhausted blockbusters uh movies i'd seen everything that wasn't in the kids section um and so it was one of the ones I picked up and did. And at the time I was also just 
journaling like a paragraph of every movie that I watched. And I had written like, it was okay. The story was interesting. It wasn't as funny or, or, or fun as like Fargo or what I really wanted it to be. Um, but I also don't think I would either recommend it or want to watch it again ever. Like I'm glad I saw it, but I don't need to see it again. Um, I would recommend though if people were left wanting from this movie, uh, Fargo season one with Billy Bob Thornton is the thing oh, you wanted yeah. to see. Yeah, oh yeah, God, yeah. it's so good. So, <laughs> oh, seek and, that out. And by the way, I, I I know I've talked about it on the show before, but I don't know if anyone's like really ever um, taken it to heart or or gone looking for it. But uh, the Goliath series on Amazon starring Billy Bob Thornton is excellent. Um, it is somewhere between Fargo, The Lincoln Lawyer, and Twin Peaks. Uh, especially the, the most recent season gets into super weird territory. There's some, some drugging that goes on, and it gets trippy as hell. So. Nice. It's a good little dark uh, crime style show. And he's really funny in it. Cool. So it is Nathan's turn to suggest the movie. Nathan, what would you like for us to watch next time? Oh, I've got a good one up my sleeve. Uh, I've been waiting to... uh, Antichrist? Drop this one on you guys. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. (laughs) Little gem from the 70s called Eating Raul. Oh. Oh, man. Ooh. (laughs) Which I saw when I was much younger, and I barely remember, but I remember thinking, this is pretty good. So I'm I'm ready to rewatch that, and I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, that's actually uh, 1982 that that came out. Okay, 82. And uh, yeah, it is a very odd movie. Well, right on. Well, thank you guys for discussing A Simple Plan. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Mm -hmm.